really loved when Roland came to me and said, hey, I have this idea, I've got this part, it's written for a, a white man or a man, and I would love for you to inhabit the role. And when I found out that it was the head of NASA and she could be portrayed as a black woman, I thought that's really cool and I think that's really important, you know, that we see ourselves as black people and especially women reflected in that way. That was Halle Berry from her latest movie, Moonfall, which just opened. Uh, Bill Brigoli saw it. He's going to tell us all about it. Hello there, Bill Brigoli. It's in theaters, Neil. I hear that. Hello there, Bill McCuddy, our other regular on this wonderful podcast. And more people are listening to this podcast than went to that movie. <laughs> Made I'm, Neil. I'm, I'm, I'm Neil Rosen. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Sitting Around Talking Movies, brought to you by the Accutron Show. Uh, another podcast hosted by Bill McCuddy. We'll talk about that later. Um, the Accutron Watch is more than just a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. And now, Moonfall. Tell me about Moonfall and what, what the heck happened to Halle Berry's career, <laughs> Bill Brigoli. It's an Academy Award uh, winner, nominated actress. Oh, uh, ye of little faith, Neil. You haven't right. seen this yet. All right. All right. What, all right. So tell me about it. Give the woman a break here. All right. Well, she's a former uh, NASA astronaut who now works uh, in administration at NASA. And um, she has to team up with her former astronaut partner. Uh, they were on a mission together and things got weird. And uh, she got knocked out, couldn't testify as to why things went strange. And as a result of that, Patrick Wilson's character has fallen on hard times. And uh, he's divorced and he's practically homeless. Uh, and eventually he runs into this crazy guy played by John Bradley, who was Samwell in Game of Thrones. And he's also in the upcoming uh, Marry Me that's coming out next week, which I know you're going to run and see, Neil. Halo, um, I can't wait. Well, there you go. Um, and he says that the, uh, the moon is uh, out of orbit. And it's because it's actually been built by aliens. It's a megastructure. And nobody well, believes it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Nobody believes them, but it turns out that's pretty much true. And after all sorts of things go wrong, the three of them have to jump on a uh, derelict space shuttle and go up and try to straighten things out. Meanwhile, on Earth, their sons are in trouble. The Earth is going crazy. It, this is directed by Roland Emmerich, I should say, who loves destroying the Earth. And because the moon is out of orbit and hurtling towards the Earth, the tides are messed up and oxygen is scarce and all sorts of strange things are happening. And the two sons of these astronauts become, uh, they wind up together and they become endangered. That's the subplot that kind of drags this thing down. Otherwise, it's a so silly, it's fun kind of movie. Uh, John Bradley's character has an accent, an English accent, which is never explained. Uh, he has a mother who has no accent. So that's kind of hard to figure out. Uh, and again, it's just silly, good old fashioned, dumb fun, but it's dragged down by the subplot. I'll pass you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think you're being charitable compared to what I've heard. First of all, let me explain what I meant by more people listening. This is a huge Lionsgate flop, $150 million that they're going to have to write off. It didn't even. No, make no, no, money. no. Lionsgate only. Lionsgate is only distributing the film. There's a, a Chinese character in this movie, an Asian woman 
who's Halle Berry lives with Halle Berry's character. You're not sure why they're probably not lovers, but she's teaching Halle Berry's um, uh, son Chinese. And I'm like, why is she in this movie? Is she some sort of tutor? What's going on? And then I figured out she's a portal. She's a portal to Chinese money. And that's who, who put all the money towards this thing. So Lionsgate is not making out bad. They're actually getting a distributor. Fee. Oh, okay. Well, well the, the point is it made 7 million bucks this weekend. Jackass tromped all over it and uh, Jap Jackass forever. Um, and that's pretty sad. I mean, they've been writing it up like it's a loss for Lionsgate. So whoever the really put the money up is out 150 or 200 million bucks. They say Roland Emmerich normally makes these kinds of movies. Great. But what I've, and you seem to have liked it, but what I've heard is that, you don't know whether it's so bad it's funny or it's just so bad. So it's I'm going to pass so also. Yeah, go ahead, pass. You're not going to miss anything. Don't worry about it. All right. I saw the new film called Rifkin's Festival. It's Woody Allen's uh, latest movie. It's also might be his last movie because I don't think he's received any funding to make any more movies since this. This was made a couple of years ago. And just like the movie before that, A Rainy Day in New York, it was um, supposed to get theatrical distribution in New York and also stream after that on Prime Video, which is Amazon. He had a several picture deal with Amazon. But uh, then, you know, Woody got into, you know, although there were new, it wasn't new information, but I don't know, whatever. In the Me Too thing, they just canceled Woody and that's what happened. So let me tell you what this movie's about. Um, Wallace Shawn, who, by the way, was in the Woody Allen movie Manhattan. He was the guy that uh, was very brief. I think that's the first Woody Allen movie that he appeared in. He's in tons of movies, Wallace Shawn. He uh, also was a regular on Gossip Girl, and he was in my, my, my Dinner with Andre. Anyway, he's married to Gina Gershon, and they go to a film festival in, um, where is, what country is this? Spain. In Spain. It's in Spain. It's lensed beautifully by his famed cinematographer, whose name escapes me, but Vittorio Storaccio. It's just gorgeous to look at. And what we have here is um, Wallace Shawn and Gina. Wallace Shawn suspects his wife, Gina Gershon, on having an extramarital affair during the festival with this pretentious um, Spanish uh, filmmaker whose film will be playing at the festival. Gina Gershon is a publicist and she's from, she, she's helping publicize this guy in this guy's film. And while Wallace Shawn is a magazine writer who longs to be a novelist. Um, final point, plot point on this is Wallace Shawn uh, goes to see a doctor while he's in Spain for some condition um, and kind of falls head over heels for the doctor and they strike up a friendship. Uh, is Gina Gershon fooling around with the guy? Is something going to happen between Wallace Shawn and the doctor? That's kind of the basis of the movie. Um, and there's nothing new here in terms of <laughs> films. There's a lot uh, that you go, yeah, I've seen this kind of jokes before and this kind of stuff, but it's not bad. I mean, it's certainly better than A Rainy Day in New York, which was his last film, which I thought was a complete uh, waste of time. I yeah, mean, that's quite that's quite an endorsement. I, I, I'm surprised they didn't pull that from you to put on the poster. Yeah, well, look, it's it's not wow, it's not it's it's not Annie Hall or 
Midnight in Paris or Blue Jasmine. It's not or Bullets Over Broadway. It's not in that category. But, you know, it, it's it, it's OK. I mean, it's OK. It, it, if you like Woody Allen, it's on Prime Video. You know, I paid for it six ninety nine or whatever it was, five ninety nine. It's OK. I mean, the music's good. The scenery's good. There's some it, it's it, it's adult grown up movie fair. And it's not great, but it's not. But it's OK. If you like Woody Allen, it's OK. Your take. You 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 should have shortened. It's adult to just it's a doll. Um, there isn't anything new here. It's embarrassingly repetitive of everything else he's ever made. Wallace Shawn is obviously playing Woody Allen this time. Obviously. At this performance, the part of Woody Allen is played by Wallace Shawn. And uh, Gina Gershon looks amazing. I guess the uh, uh, I'm sure I'll get some bad mail for that. But she's 59 and I thought uh, she was radiant. Uh, but everybody's radiant uh, when you got that DP. Look, um, there's a lot of Bergman jokes here. There's a lot of black and white uh, fantasies and dreams and all kinds of other uh, horse shit. You would never believe for a second that Wallace Shawn would be attractive to this uh, gorgeous doctor who I, I forget the actress's name, but she has a very passive. What about kind the of fact Penelope that Wallace Shawn is, ma- is married to Gina Gershon? I mean, how do you uh, take how do you like well, that? If they've been married as long as they said they have, it's possible that he was good looking at some point. Anyway, I, and his <laughs> brother even says, uh, Steve Gutenberg, who we haven't seen at all, uh, act recently says uh, she fell in love with his brain. Um, I, you know, I've been in love with Woody Allen's brain for a long time. This is not something I can recommend in any way. So I paid six ninety nine. also, and I wish I had it back. Moving on, moving on. Please. Uh, Bill Bergoli, tell us about something called Murderville. Okay. This has got Will Arnett in it. And uh, he is. I like Will Arnett. He plays a character named Terry Seattle. And he teams up uh, with a clueless celebrity guest in every episode. There are six and it's on Netflix. And they have to investigate a series of murders. It's based on a BBC series called Murder in Successville. And that's pretty much it. They, every episode is got some uh, standard bits that he puts these various people in. And uh, before you ask me who's, uh, who his guest stars are, I'm going to tell you. Conan O'Brien's in the first episode. Uh, Marshawn, well, that's a good yeah, Marshawn Lynch. He's a, a football player. Annie Murphy from Schitt's hey, Creek. Wow. Sharon really? Stone. Really? Really. Kamel wow. Johnny and Ken Jong are the six guests, and they all try to help. At the end of the episode, they say who they think the murderer is. They're generally three suspects of all the people they interview, and um, they're told whether they're right or wrong. Funny. Not all the time. Apparently, from the reviews I've read, Murdering Successville, the British version, really tries to, to crack up the, uh, the guests because they're not aware of what's going on. They're not given a script. Uh, everybody else is. Uh, and in that show, they try to really crack. Nobody really cracks up here. They do try to play along. Conan the plays along particularly well. And certainly Will Arnett is a funny guy. Well, he's funny. Jeff. And he does what he, you know, there's a script. He's scripted. And he plays kind of a buffoonish character like his voice in the Lego movies. So, so, but wait, let me understand. So this is sort of kind of like Curb Your Enthusiasm in that there's no script. There's just a concept. And no, there is a script that everybody has except the guest host. They're definitely scripted. 
Oh, oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. And then yeah. they have to do they kind of powwow in a, like a reality way at the end or they're no. interviewed like junket style at the end. No, not at all. No, they, it. they, they stay right through it and that's it. Yeah. It's an odd one. Uh, I mean, it's kind of okay to watch, but I never really laughed a whole lot. It was interesting that, to me, the guy who generally people play it two ways. They really try to uh, go crazy and crack people up and come up with stuff like Conan O'Brien did, or they play like the second guy, the football player, and he just kind of hangs back and watches and, and plays along with everybody. He doesn't make much in the way of jokes, but um, they play it that way. Sharon Stone uh, doesn't crack jokes, but she does a lot of physical comedy that kind of surprised me. Uh, they end up in an operating room at one point with a patient that's bleeding on the table and she gets her hands right in there and gets all bloody and crazy. Uh, so it's, an, it's more interesting stars, than it is funny. These guest stars aren't one scene cameos. They're in the whole thing. They're in the whole episode. Yeah. So look, uh, it sounds intriguing. Are these a half an hour or an hour? They're slightly over a half hour. Generally around. And are they? Minutes. Do they have any kind of family resemblance at all to that thing Tiffany Haddish is in that we talked about last week? The uh, uh, not really. No. This is no. This is more of this is more sitcomy. This is intriguing to me, and uh, I think I might check this out. Check it out, and let me. Yeah, you made. How many episodes do we have here? There are six. And it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And each episode. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, give give it a shot. I'm gonna check it out. All right, right. one more thing, and then we'll move on to the commercial. Pam and Tommy is the um, is a new series on Hulu. It's a limited eight part series. Bill McCuddy's seen two of them. Bill Bergoli's seen three of them, and they sent me advance. I've seen all eight of them. If you're not familiar with this, if you're too young to remember, or even if you don't remember when you're old enough to remember, back in the 90s, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, who were married at the time, had a sex tape that this is before the internet, that people were VHS cassettes and they were being, uh, everybody was watching this thing. And uh, the rumor was, is that they made the tape and leaked it out themselves but as this eight-part series shows you, that was that they didn't. Uh, this was stolen. Seth Rogen plays uh, a carpenter who's redesigning um, the Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee bedroom along with some other guy. And Tommy Lee is kind of nuts, and he keeps changing his mind every twenty minutes. It's like after he gives him a whole elaborate instructions, and they work for like a week on it. He's like, you know what? I want the bed over there, and I want this over here. Then he's like, comes back a week later. You know, I want a water bed. Well, that would take a completely different configure. I don't care. Money's no object. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he doesn't pay them. Right. He doesn't pay them. And he, and he says, you're fired. You're working too slowly, even though he's the complete jerk in this situation, Tommy Lee. And as a revenge, Seth Rogen's character decides he's going to knows the layout of the house because he's been working there for, I don't know, two months. He's being stiff, not getting paid. And he goes to pick up his tools. Tommy Lee won't even give him his tools and puts a shotgun in his face and goes, get off my property. You, you know, so he decides to break in and he steals the safe that they that they have in this safe contains this videotape that was not meant for public viewing of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee engaging in sexual activities. And this guy decides, you know, along with his partner, um, played by um, oh, the guy, from Offerman. Park, yeah, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Uh, right. Nick Offerman. They're going to peddle it around and go to a distributor and um, 
Yeah, All right. Well, let's not let's not give too much away after that. I do want to tell people that. Well, it's uh, the birth. No, it's the, it's the birth. Okay. Of the all end. right. Calm down. I know you're all excited to tell no, no, more. No, it's the but last you're giving thing. Giving way too much away. No, no. It's just very early on. Is that they can't find a distributor for this thing because they uh, haven't. Planned. I wish you hadn't said that. Anyway, okay, uh, What I want to tell what well, I want to tell people okay. when right, you stop ahead. talking eventually is that. Uh, the first episode of this makes Tommy Lee look like such an asshole that you almost don't want to take this ride with all eight episodes. I've only seen two, and I will tell you that it's a lot more interesting, and Bregoli can jump in having seen three once yeah. you get through that opening hour. If you don't think you're going to enjoy this because they're not people you care about, you're going to like it a lot more when starting in the second episode, it starts to backtrack. It starts to go into Seth Rogen and a girlfriend he had who was a porn star. It Taylor starts Sh- to go Taylor into Sh- Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Star of Orange is the New Black. Correct. Thank you. So uh, it, it, it gets it layers itself in a fun and interesting way. Seth and his partner, Evan Goldberg, were the uh, are, and David Franco, Dave Franco, are producers and writers on this thing. So, you know, that their lineage and you know that they can make something cool and interesting. There's a sequence in the second uh, episode involving the king and I, which is almost sublime. It's so crazy. cool. <laughs> yeah. So I- I'm going to just warn people to stay through it because. I almost gave up after the first hour. Bergoli, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of people actually that I talked to who, who kind of gave up after the first hour and I had to tell them, you know, give, give it, give it a little play because I don't know what both of you talking about because I actually like the first hour. It's you. And I will (laughs) say that, um, Wish I could after, after the first three episodes, which are available now on Hulu, the set, the fourth one drops next week. Um, it's very good. I will say this, having seen the whole thing, that eight episodes were not necessary. Uh, each episode is like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Uh, they pad it out. Um, I think as Bill Bergoli and I were talking about this uh, before we did the podcast, they could have trimmed it. I mean, they could have. They, they could have made like five or six but episodes. But you don't want But stay for the talking penis. All right. So on that transition... <laughs> Well, it, 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 I, I think that Lily James, who plays. Okay, here we Apple go. There's Anderson, some more. All right. Is, is terrific. It took her four hours. And to give make, the guy, Tommy, give the guy playing Tommy Lee. A, yeah, a Sebastian shadow. Stan. Yeah. yeah he's um, really I think good. that, that uh, they're both phenomenal. And she had to spend four hours in a makeup chair every day to make her look like uh, she, she had a chest plate on, my wife tells me. Like, so even though there's lots of nudity in this, it's not even her body. She has this completely prosthetic thing that's all that, that, that she's yeah, I was wondering, I was talking to my wife about that. I wonder if that makes it easier to perform nude when it's not your body. Um, I would she, say she's probably, done interviews. Yeah. yeah, she's done interviews where she talked about, so it's worth researching. I know I did. Well, well <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay. It's pretty right? amazing. Oh, boy. How do we, how do you? getting andrew dice clay into this keep wa- keep keep watching <laughs> andrew, dice oh, okay, good. andrew dice clay crops up in this and he's actually very very good and um he's only in it for five minutes bill don't worry no 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 yeah. he's in it for way more than five minutes just well I've the, the one that i saw okay you'll, you'll see and um yeah there's it's it's it, it, it's a it's it's interesting i could have been shorter but i i i do recommend it i liked it and i recommend it so, all right. So this uh, podcast is brought to you by the Accutron Show, as I said, another 
uh, podcast. It's hosted by our own Bill McCuddy. Uh, okay, give me give me a shot here. Scott Alexander and there you go. David Graver. <laughs> Boom! You must be looking that up, and they will be so proud. Uh, this week, we are jazzing it up with Verve Records co-founder James Krentz. And if you don't think you're a jazz person, and lots of people aren't, it's kind of fascinating to realize that it isn't just uh, Verve, Refer- Verve Records launched people like Nina Simone and Ella Fitzgerald, Stan Getz and Bill Evans, even Billie Holiday, but how much they influenced regular music and how much of that now is getting sampled and picked up by in rap and other, in all kinds of other categories. So we were talking about the jazzing of America and uh, we have James Krentz, who is one of the co-founders of Verve Records and one of the people who helped jazz establish its roots uh that is all on the accutron show with as you mentioned david graver scott alexander and myself it's all about uh what's happened in the 60s that influences us even to this day just like the accutron watches which are not just a great time piece but also a conversation piece and it's that podcast available wherever fine podcasts and this one are heard now back to our regularly scheduled show Hey, Bill Vergola. Hey, I want to talk about a documentary that that uh, both well, Bill what, and I saw. That's what I was going to that's what I was going to ask you to talk about is Tinder Swindler. <laughs> yeah, let Bill talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll just set it up really quickly. This is a Netflix thing. Uh, I know I've I bra- I talk about how Dateline and, and 48 Hours runs almost constantly in the, in my house because my wife loves that true crime drama stuff. This is a true crime uh, about two hours in length. It's not a series. I know that'll be Neil's first question, even when I'm done with this. So is it a series? No, it's a uh, it's a two hour documentary about uh, a real guy who pretended to be the son of a diamond billionaire and successfully talked lots of women out of a lot of money by picking them up in a Rolls Royce, driving them to an airport, getting on a private plane and with his bodyguard flying someplace and going to another four star hotel, uh, never really having a full meal with them, usually just coffee or a drink and then disappearing. Uh, And he is really, really, really effective. He's a kid from Israel who has like five or six different names we learn. And the talking heads in this thing are the women who've been duped and how they may or may not get their revenge on this guy. It's gripping. uh, It's nauseating because this guy is completely, he's running through a quarter of a million dollars of this one woman's that she doesn't have. How is he getting them? They're taking out loans. How is they're he getting, taking loans out. They're giving him. How is he getting the money for the name? private plane? And, you know, well, it's he's basically well, got a uh, a Ponzi scheme going where he steals one, money from one woman, okay. one woman and uses it to seduce another one. Uh, the guy is still around. I mean, it's yeah, the uh, thing piss you off. <laughs> and he used it's pissed me off incredibly, but it, it does. It has a fairly satisfying quasi satisfying resolution. And yeah. it's called Tinder Swindler because he was meeting all these women on Tinder. This sounds can't, really can't recommend it enough. It's yeah. just great. You, you will never let your daughter date again. You feel the same way, Brigoli? I didn't have a daughter just because of this. No, no, <laughs> no. About, about it being the, the high. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, it was fun. And I, I'd be I'd be willing to bet that this is going to be a feature film. All right. I'm going to check it out. Hey, Bill Brigoli, what is this thing? Suspicion? Yeah, this is an odd thing that just dropped on Apple TV Plus. Oh, Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Okay. All the money in the world, and this is what they make. Um, 
and the they opening some nice swag so we really should yeah watch yeah. apple tv more than we, we do and but yeah well that uh, should be their was on there apple tv we're not just the morning show coda <laughs> yeah. is one of my is on my is my top three movies yeah that's on apple tv so let's apple give them TV yeah we'll give, you want me to give them a plug i love that film i think it's great we've talked about it on the podcast if you haven't seen coda Check it out on Apple. Okay. That's well, the it. opening scene of this takes place in a New York hotel, a uh, fancy New York hotel. You see four people walking along wearing royal family masks. Uh, oh. Yeah. One, one looks like Charles. One looks like the queen. And they rough up a kid and stuff him in a suitcase. It's a kidnapping. Then it cuts to London and people are being rounded up. Uh, and... Uh, and questioned an American played by Noah Emmerich is sent in an American FBI agent to help with the questioning. Uh, it turns out the um, missing young man's mother is played by Uma Thurman. And uh, all these people are accused of kidnapping. I have only seen two episodes. Um, Isn't the kidnappy. I've read a little bit about this. The uh, son of a media. Yeah. She's a media tycoon or something. Yeah. And uh, it's basically, uh, from what I read, a remake of an Israeli series, which was called False Flag, which is probably a clue. Uh, so they didn't name it that, but I'm telling you anyway. Uh, one of the producers worked on The Americans. It's interesting enough, I'll watch another episode, but you really still don't know. After two, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. So, is it cool, though? I mean, are you intrigued? Yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, it's kind of funny. There's a a scene where Noah Emmerich is brought into question uh, the suspects and he's told not to ask any questions and he gets one really pissed off just by going <laughs> while, the, while the person's <laughs> answering <laughs> and he doesn't ask any questions, but he gets people riled up by saying, well, I think you did this and this and this and this. And he's kind of fun to watch, but uh, you're not quite. So the crime who's... happens in, in this country, but it's, right. it's investigated over there. Right. It's investigated over there because all the suspects were British. Uh, somehow I, it's never really explained by, but um, the Brits figured out that there were five British people in that hotel at the same time. And one oh, of them okay. definitely had a uh, thing against uh, the kid's family. So All right. we'll see. I'll check it out. I'll yeah. check it out. I'll check it. Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. I'm going to check out Tinder Swindler, though. That's the thing that I really want to check that out. Moved, that did move. By the end of that thing, that moved like a freight train. Here's an update on a couple of things that uh, we, McCuddy and I, as we said, we'll keep you updated on this. We watched the second episode of The Gilded Age. Um, you did, huh? said, I well. think this will get better. And uh, you know, look, it is the same guy who did Downton Abbey and it is not as good as Downton Abbey. But I will say that, you know, uh, it, the fact that it takes place in New York and it's the 1880s. And even though it's C they CGI the shit out of, you know, 61st Street or whatever it is. And they didn't oh, CGI Bethesda Fountain in, in nope, nope, Central they Park. And I think I think they're location. spending... I think they're spending a shitload of money on no, they this closed show. down Bethesda Fountain, put 50, 60 people in period costume, and they shot that on location. But, you know, look, I, I've actually gotten interested in the characters, the Cynthia Nixon character, the um, uh, what's her name from uh, Christine uh, Baranski. Yeah, I've, I've, the, the girl who comes in from uh, 
Gene yeah, Triplethorne's in this thing, but I'll tell you, nobody's. Yeah, they left her penniless, and she's living there. And the the the, 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 the But Neil, yeah. Neil, some of the music sounds it's like it's stolen yeah, from Downton Abbey. I'm and involved. Hold in on, it. hold on. There's you just have to admit, there's nobody even potentially as interesting as Maggie Smith, or even half as funny. Well, they're trying to make Christine Baranski that character, you know. But look, the the, the running subplot here is there's new money and old money in New York. And it's all controlled. This is true. It was all controlled by like the Astors, you know, and the new, and if you ever been up to Newport, Rhode Island, if you ever took a tour of some of those mansions, they tell you that the Vanderbilts were new money and they wanted to crack the social circle of old money. And they had to build this elaborate mansion, which they did. The but break. it's so obvious where it's going, even in the second episode, when, when Lady Astor says, well, the lion has roared. These people yeah, right. are here and they're going right. to be so curious. obviously they're going to win. The new money's going to win. Well, you know, it, it, the thing is you can't get acceptance into new, into the old society unless Aster gives her stamp of approval. And yes, they did kind of tip that off at the end of episode two, where she goes, I don't know, times are changing, whatever the hell she said. But see, uh, the, see I, I if would, you agree with me on I this, the thing, that was, the thing that was fundamentally interesting about Downton Abbey was they were old school being threatened by the new and you were pulling for them. This is the opposite. You're not necessarily pulling for the people that are bulldozing their way in to become what is known as the Gilded Age, the the, the newcomers who have the money and build the bigger house are not necessarily as interesting as the people in Downton Abbey who are just right. trying to hold on well, to tradition. Well, if you want to just, even though I know it's hard to not make the comparison because it's the same guy behind both shows, if you just put Downton Abbey aside for a moment, I'm just saying that, is this like, wow, this is tremendous. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm getting more involved in the characters and I'll, I'm going to continue watching it. I mean, I like the fact that it's in New York, and that is one of the draws for me is that, yeah, they did film on location at Bethesda Fountain, and, you know, and even though it's CGI 61st Street off of 5th Avenue on East 61st Street, it's kind of cool to, like, look at, like, okay, this is what it kind of looked like 140 years ago, kind of. All right, so also catching up, not catching up, but updating. So, uh, and just like that, which is, they should have really said, called it sex in the city which by the way in the last episode sarah jessica parker of the season the season so the whole thing including the season finale says uh i don't know she gets a podcast and they said they want to call it sex in the city or something like that so they actually reference the name but um i look this series has a lot of problems people hate it i don't know a lot of people that love it but but it takes it place is, in new york so you're gonna watch it. people I've, the woman read, who plays the lesbian comedian hates it, and she's in it. Does she really hate it? That's interesting. Oh, there's a whole controversy, a whole controversy about that. Well, she I said just, some really shitty things about it. Well, I, I know. Well, I don't know about that because she. I, I read something where the season has not been, the series has not been officially renewed yet, and she's saying that she's, you know, kind of waiting with bated breath to see if it's going to be renewed. So I don't know where you read that, but um, I also read today or yesterday that Sarah Jessica Parker said that even if Kim Cattrall wanted to return to the series, she, and along with Michael Patrick King, who's the executive producer, would not welcome her back. Not that she's coming back, not that she even wants to come back, because she's the one who said, I want nothing to do with this. But, the, but Sarah Jessica Parker is, was you know, interviewed by somebody and said, like, there's just too much bad blood here and she would not be welcome back, which is kind of stupid because she doesn't want to come back. But nonetheless, it has not been officially renewed. 
Uh, if you read Twitter, people hate the series, but they keep saying, I'm going to continue watching it anyway. I hate it, but I'm going to continue watching it anyway. So I don't know. I mean, if you've watched Sex and the Isn't that half the listeners of this podcast? <laughs> so I don't know. You know, uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't even that good, but uh, I kept watching it. And like those Twitter uh, people, uh, yeah, I'll probably continue to watch it if they were new. Well, I, ba- I bailed, but I can tell you another HBO show that is getting a third season. And I know I vlog it every week, but it's Euphoria and it starts in a few minutes. So uh, I'm taking you a, off. This you, have is, a, uh, you have a DVR? This is, uh, this is a great series. Four, I, I know I keep telling you guys to watch it. What is it, uh, 1960? It's like if the Beatles Quentin, are going to be on Ed Sullivan. I can't miss Quentin, this. <laughs> if Quentin Tarantino had a TV show, it would be Euphoria. Uh, Sam Levinson, the son of Barry Levinson, is the writer and creator, and Zendaya is the executive producer. Uh, we watch the bad movies so you don't have to. That we do. That we do. <laughs> um, the We're out of stuff, aren't we? Hey, what's w- next week, Bill? The latest episode of television, our television show, Talking Pictures oh, with Neil Rosen is available on YouTube if you just type that in um, or you can go follow me on Twitter and get a link to it at Neil Rosen Apples or go to Instagram and watch it on Neil uh, Talking Pictures with Neil Rosen. You could also follow Bill McCuddy on Twitter at Bill McCuddy or on Instagram at uh, McCuddy Bill or follow Bill Brigoli on uh, Instagram at Bill Brigoli. Uh, what do we have next week? I don't know. What do well, we have? let me tell you. Death on the Nile. Oh, oh. marry I me. I want to see that. The J-Lo I movie. don't want to see marry me. I and do not want to. Black Light starring Liam Neeson. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah. But that's just another. I've seen the trailer for that. That's just more of the same. Okay. All right. Well, that's next week on uh, on, 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 the, on our podcast. So thanks for sitting around talking movies with us. And we'll sit around talking movies again with you next week and bill mccuddy enjoy your uh, new episode of euphoria i will and and we want to thank our sponsor the accutron show for sponsoring this and every week that's true the accutron show it's more than just a time piece it's a conversation piece see you next week on uh, sitting around talking movies